was about bringing up controversial subjects and a series of quests for strange horrors. It feels good. Guidance is internal. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. Do not think there are things in this universe which you cannot understand and which are true. Welcome to Far Off Topic, episode 18. Uncertainty is a fickle mistress. She mets out tragedy and prosperity in equal measure, no matter the dance partner. Strange circumstance is the floor that glides beneath her feet. So, it should surprise no one that after running out of time producing this show, I find myself staring across the dimly lit dance floor of the void, only to see her staring back at me. Well, today we're risking it all to chance fate and take a dance with the unpredictable queen of all things herself, because tonight we're going to freestyle a podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> but after we're done scratching the walls of conversation to shreds, I've compiled a fantastic list of the worst stories from a time before coronavirus was our most present fear in a new segment called Great Stories to End On. With that, I'm your host, Fiasco Jones, and with me, because his other mistresses of steady work and podcast avoidance have abandoned him, is Steve Jackson, a.k.a. Jax, a.k.a. Mr. Glasses. How is life? It's really weird. Yeah, I bet. It's, it's you know, we strolled into the hospital back here uh, a couple weeks ago to have our baby in the midst of, I don't know, our generation Spanish flu. And uh, every every time I sneeze, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm dead. I'm just I'm so dead. <laughs> um, and then so, you know, I'm up north of you in Washington State and like everything's closed. Everything's shut down. Um, you're experiencing the same thing where you are, I'm assuming. Yeah, pretty much. But like my job, I, I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen. Like I. I haven't been into my office in almost three weeks, and uh, we rely on the courts being open, and courts haven't been open since. Uh, and I actually, that's a question I'm going to get to later in the in the podcast about how that's all working out. But uh, I, let's just take back and, and kind of let's talk about little baby June before we get uh, oh, yeah. started. How is baby June? And uh, I don't know if you heard the last podcast. We welcomed her on to the, the far off topic family. Uh, how are things going with her? Uh, it's good. She's, she's, she sleeps a lot. Uh, so she's definitely inherited the, the genes of the family. So, good, um, good. Which is which is fantastic. Like we were just talking today. Like does does she sleep an abnormal amount? Um, because <laughs> easily she was she was sleeping with me. Uh, well, she was sleeping on me for easily six hours today. Easily, damn. And um, and that's not unusual. Like it's it's, but she's great. Um, no other baby, uh, baby number one, who's uh, about. She's going on three now. Um, not so thrilled about the new edition. No. Uh, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's been a rough. Um, that's been a rough change for her. And, and I feel horrible. Like, it's like uh, she she's yeah not not happy about it at all. But, you know, we've been dealing with siblings for centuries She'll get over it, or or they'll just become bitter rivals for for ta- all time, and uh, it'll be make for great uh, great stories. Yeah, well, like I mean, a, a Dallas like uh, yeah. sibling rivalry. Yeah, well, we're already pitting them against each other, so 
as, as good parents are want to do. So, I mean, you know, like, hey, Nora, June has your pillow. I bet you probably <laughs> looks like go she's s- the favorite now. Yeah. <laughs> probably want to go stop her taking your pillow. I like where you're going with that. Uh, all I can all, all I can brag about is uh, a steak. I, I made a, a fantastic steak today. This is what's so crazy about this whole coronavirus thing uh, is I hate to cook. I fucking hate to cook. And um, I have done two significant cooking ventures. Uh, really? We, yeah. Uh, I've made homemade beef jerky twice. That sounds daunting. Maybe it's easy. I don't know. It sounds daunting to me. It it was it wasn't well it wasn't daunting it was it's just time consuming it's like a sixteen hour process. Um, what was the other chicken wings? I made the like insanely good chicken wings, um, with a twenty four hour brine. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, hats off to you. Hats off to my stomach who is uh currently. Or that is currently uh, digesting my bounty. Um, <laughs> just, probably the most disgusting way of describing uh, yeah, eating abs- your food. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I guess it's time to take the hand of uncertainty, mistress of fate, and see where this goes. Uh, these are the stories from near and far. I did something different here. I want to kind of start this off. Because I thought it was very, um, we really don't have a, much of a, a roadmap here, so we're just kind of going to kind of going off of things that just, I guess, uh, occurred to me as I was putting the show together. Um, and this one evening, of them, as you were putting it together this evening, yes, this evening, maybe yeah. two hours ago at best. Yeah. yeah. So if it sounds um, cobbled together, folks, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly what it is. So. I, I recently bought this book uh, called The Encyclopedia of Religious Phenomena by J. Gordon Melton, and I was thumbing through it, you know, as I do, and I came across the um, entry for St. Malachi, who, for those of you that don't know, was a, a man who allegedly, and I have to say allegedly because there's some disputes about this, he wrote down a list of 111. Actually, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. The book's right here, so I'm gonna go ahead and open it. It was during his first visit to Rome that he reputedly compiled his most famous prophecies concerning the popes. Reportedly, the prophecies came in a vision of the future in which a long list of the pontiffs from the 12th century to the end of time were presented to him. The list included some 112 individuals. What's most interesting to our to, to our, our situation currently, though, is that of particular interest in the 21st century, Pope John Paul II would be the Pope number 110 on Malachi's list. Thus following him would be one more pope and then the final pope. And so now we had uh, what Ratzenberger and now we have Francis. So yeah. according to Malachi, Francis should be the last pope. Right, we're done, right? Right. Now, people could say, well, Malachi said that this last pope would be named Peter the Roman and that is not the name that Francis has. He's Francis. Um but what's interesting, though, is that Malachi also included a short little kind of description, a little kind of a flourish to each 
entry. And for Peter the Roman, he said, he will feed his flock amid many tribulations, after which the seven-hilled city will be destroyed and the dreadful judge will judge the people. The end. So, the seven-hilled city being Rome. And folks, what city was first, Ah. like, really damaged by the coronavirus? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Italy. See where you're going here. Yeah. Hmm. And, yeah, I mean, because here's the thing. There have been many signs since coronavirus came. There have been locusts. There was I just saw sandstorms in Saudi Arabia, which really yeah. aren't that rare at all. Uh, but earthquakes in Boise, Idaho. Or actually not yeah. Boise, Idaho, but somewhere in Idaho. Yeah, yeah it's it was, near Boise. Yeah, there was an, uh, earthquakes in Utah. Yep. Um, things are just, just kind of lighting up right now. So I think St. Malachi may have been onto something. Yeah, he probably was. I mean, I think that all evidence points to that being accurate. Um if this is the in, in fact the end, then do we even try anymore? It's kind of my it's a continuation of my philosophy about climate change. Um, I, I I say that yes, climate change is happening, but it's 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 too far gone. Yeah, we just need to just forget about solving it and just pilot the ship straight toward the sun and have a, have a party on the way there. You know, just right. Don't worry about what we can't control. We're all dead. So let's just have fun getting there, you know? Do sure. we now that we now that kind of St. Malachi has proven that yeah, yeah, it's over. Should we just have a party? Yeah, I mean it makes as much sense as what we're doing now. Because like at what point do we go, well, let's go back to work. I don't want to go back to work. And the reason I don't want to go back to work is because I don't want to get sneezed on by some asshole. Uh I work with lovely people. They would never sneeze on me. But, you know, maybe I'm over at the coffee house before work. So, like, you know, now what? So, sure, let's just fuck it. Honestly, uh, the longer I stay out of work, um, the more I'm kind of liking it. Uh, I would. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I would love the opportunity to get outside the house. Now, oh, that's the God. part I would love to change. If we could, if I could somehow figure out a way to safely get out of the house with my five-year-old. Yeah. Um, I think I would really. I don't think I'd ever go back to work again. I just. Uh, I should be like, what are you know? This is my new lifestyle. <laughs> right. You, and I actually like my job. I, I I like my job. I liked going to work. I liked what I did. Um, but this like is yeah, an alternative. I like how you're talking about it in the past tense already, too. <laughs> I, I got to agree. Like, being at home has been has been great. Uh, I'm going to go crazy if I'm here for too much longer, though. And, and you know, it's kind of sad, too. Like, I, I would love to be able to see my friends and my other family members. Like, my mom hasn't met June. Um, oh, that's 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 bad. You know, the, my mom's super, super immunocompromised. Like, she has asthma, allergies, and is in her late 70s. So, um, pretty severe asthma. So, like, n- not taking any chances. Plus, she lives with, like, two... She lives with my sister, who has, I want to say, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And, like, mm. those kids are sick all the time. Like, they're just, like, and just like every other kid, you know, just sick all right. the time. So, um, she does, she's just like, I'm not leaving the house. And we are not going over there because we don't want sort of commingling of the germs. Yeah, that is sucks. So, yeah, I'd like to get that wrapped up, be able to... Hmm. 
get what is it back to business get america back to business <laughs> that actually gets me to an issue that i've had about coronavirus um it's it's like a little bug in my head it's a it's a worry but it's also uh, it's actually it's, it's it's just a huge worry is what yeah. it is. It's, it's actually it's an, it's an anxiety, and that is uh, that there's a, a worst case scenario that people haven't really talked about that I have heard, which is that the coronavirus turns out not to be bad enough, that that it comes below that thirty thousand threshold, um, that it comes i would say even below sixty thousand threshold and that's grim i know that's fucking macabre to say that it doesn't kill enough people but honestly i think that uh the the trumpists out there uh-huh. if they don't see a high enough body count they are going to scream to the fucking heavens that this was a this was all made up this was a giant hoax um, it didn't kill enough more people than the flu, or right. barely more people than the flu. Why did we shut down the government? Why did we shut down the world? Um, and that one that leads into Trump getting uh, reelected, and two that means that our next response, the next pandemic, there's like absolutely no response, and it's like actually worse. Yeah, I mean, I could, I can see both and both happening, and frankly, I see that now. Like, I, I, I absolutely see people currently, um, being, you know, saying this was a lot of nonsense for, you know, like, um, the cure is worse than the than the disease, right? Um, I've seen that a lot in the last week or so. And like, I can't, I guess I get it. Like I kind of get the, the mindset because I was sort of replaying this in my mind. Like, it seems like we hear on the news this weekend is expected to be, you know, the worst thing we've ever seen in the history of, you know, infectious diseases that we know of. Right. Contemporary infectious disease. Yeah. And then the weekend comes and, the lights stay on and like I, we still can go to the grocery store and shop and then Monday rolls around and the, and it's like groundhog day, you know, this weekend is going to just be horrible. So right. Like on the one hand, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's bad and I don't want, I don't want, I definitely don't want to get it. I don't want my family to get it. And, but on the other hand, it's also like, I get why people would say, what the fuck are we doing? You know? Right. And I mean, I don't miss the fact that it's because of the mitigation efforts that everyone's taken, which has curbed, which could have been a, a terrible spread. But, and I, I get that I can make that mental leap, but I just know that there's a massive segment of the population. And I even think it would be those supposed quote unquote centrists or, you know, even the, the Obama Trump voters that, that, that that are going to come back and say this was the Democrats really are just after Trump. It is the deep state. It is you know all these malign things that uh, kind of enter Trump's head at every moment that he breathes out on a daily press release. Um, they're real. He's right. He's actually right. And I just I don't know. It, it, it frust. It, I find it frustrating, but I also find it just it's kind of a, a weird kind of doom for 
American society. It's incredibly frustrating. Like the, but at the same time, like I don't know what the answer is. I mean, unless you know. For example, there was this movement over social media for a little while of like, I don't remember what the hashtag was, but it was essentially like film your hospital or something like that. Right. And it was people going to local hospitals and like recording the parking lot and seeing nobody in the parking lot, no lines for testing or anything along those lines. And it's like, yeah, I think I think I saw those too. Yeah. Tons of them. Tons of them. And it's like, well, no shit. Like a person who's in that hospital is on a ventilator and they're also quarantined. So their family isn't visiting them. The hospital is also quarantined and it's in, in, in inside as well. So like visitors are just not coming in. And if you go to that hospital, you are going to get on a ventilator. So you're probably going to be arriving by ambulance. So of course your hospital is dead, but we're not seeing the, what we're not seeing is the inside of the hospital. And we're not seeing the inside of the hospital because that's illegal. Like, we can't see the inside mm-hmm. of the hospital. So, unless we see the inside of that hospital, people are going to, you know, it's sort of like Vietnam all over again. Like, until we saw Walter Cronkite come out and say, this is fucking horrible. We need to get out of this shit. It didn't resonate to the United States. So, right. uh, until there's an issue like Italy where then you're right. Like... People are going to be – there is going to be a significant segment of the population saying this is all bullshit and we don't need to be doing any of these things. In my head, like my, the, the devil's advocate in my head says, or Jax, uh, it's because the reason why you're not seeing anything is because nothing's going on. It's not frantic in most hospitals, maybe in some hospitals in New York, maybe in some hospitals in, in Washington. But by and large, the Kansas City Hospital in Missouri, it's fine. You know, it's 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 they're still waiting for their their surge of people, but they're not seeing anything, you know, until we actually see those pictures. That thought is out there. You know, that it, other people are thinking that very same thought. Yeah. And no one is going to disprove that thought because, well, for many reasons, um, there's, there's, also, there's also there's also a built in mechanism to not believe the, the evidence you see. But um but also because no one's going to – maybe it's tactless, but no one's going to put out those pictures of people, patients, just on ventilators, row after row after ventilators. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a no-win scenario. Um, I don't know. I mean you're probably right. Like the, they're, the bulk of the hospitals are probably not overrun. Like I, I could see that. There's not, t- t- there's not hundreds of thousands of people going to the hospital. It's just not happening. But there are hospitals that are overrun and there are there is a person dying. If you do like if you just do the math, like 2000 people died of it today. So that's like a person every 60 seconds. So there's a person dying every minute from this thing. And, you know, another another one of our um, covid truthers that's on my Facebook page was like, Look at the numbers of flu deaths this year, and there's like seventy thousand or something like that since October. And it's like, yeah, that's nice. There's a lot of flu deaths. There's not enough flu death. There's not as many COVID deaths as there are flu deaths. COVID is also gone very quickly. <laughs> like, right? We've caught up to the flu 
very fast. So, <laughs> like, and that's the thing. I mean, again, it's grim to say, but the in my opinion, the only thing that would shut those people's mouths is a really scary death toll. Um, yep. I would say more than sixty thousand people, which honestly. I don't see us getting there in the next week, and yeah. I feel like these next few weeks are making break, make or break for when Trump pulls the trigger on deciding to let everyone go back to work. Um, I think he's going to see things stabilizing next week. Um, we'll probably reach thirty thousand by next week ish, um, and then it'll stabilize, and then his everyone's back to work. I purposely didn't bring up the fact that only 1% of the U.S. population has actually been tested for coronavirus. Yeah. So <laughs> there mean, could be millions of people out there um, still carrying it. And so we could just be, be basically looking at a, a second wave, um, a really massive second wave after we jumped the gun this time around. Yeah, I. that's what's, that's what's frustrating about the numbers to me as well. Um, so my my oldest daughter got sick. Uh, I think I told you this um, before, maybe about a month ago. She got sick, low grade fever, cough, runny nose, all the classic symptoms um, that we've come to know. And I called the doctor. The doctor was like, "Sounds like she's sick. Um, she should has she had any, any contact with anybody who's been um, positive." And that was when my county had three people that had tested positive. And we didn't know who those people were, but I would assume that of my quarter million people in my county, my daughter hadn't come into contact with one of those three. So I just said, no, I don't, I don't think so. So without knowing that she had come in contact with that person, with a person who'd been positive, she couldn't get tested. But then the doctor said, but even if she had, there aren't any tests. Now, this was a month ago. We still don't have the tests. Like, the testing is still extraordinarily low. Like, the amount of people tested in my county, and we're the second second or third most deaths in the state. Um, very, very few people have been tested. Less than a 1,000, if I'm not mistaken. Less than a 1,000. So, and it's not because, not for want of testing. It's because we don't have the tests. That, that actually brings up an interesting, like, I mean, a kind of a, a, maybe a no segue to what you're just saying there. And that is um, how Trump's press releases might be working. Because if you don't know the granular details of your particular state or even your particular county or city, um, and you're just really getting bombarded by Trump every single day, you know, I don't think it's any mistake to think that uh, things are going rosy. Uh, things are going better than planned. But also, you know, combining that with the John Hopkins um, tracker. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's grim. At the same time, though, it's way below any any of the the projections. They keep projecting downward. Yeah, yeah um, So you look at all those you, if you, those are the only two data sets you have to, to as resources yeah i could see why people might feel this is like rosy or a, or a nothing burger situation but you know when you talk about that in a very granular 
piece of data about your own city and you know for a fact it's there no one's testing for it <laughs> um so we can't even you can't even say for certainty that you are safe and most likely you're not you know you're not at all right yeah i mean it's I'm, i just looked up my health department my county's health department we've tested 1100 people i mean that's there's there's 250,000 people in my county. We've tested 1,100. Like that, <laughs> I don't know how that's yeah. possible. Um, and that, and you know that people have, you know that people who haven't been tested have it. You just know that. Like that's, that's yes. that has to. I be. mean, you could definitely, yeah, you just assume I, it. Yeah, but I mean, again, I feel like I it draws me back into the skeptical. Um, it draws. I guess I, my mind. I keep. I keep kind of like thinking. Well, how would the Laura Loomers of the world take that information? They would see it uh, as it's the reason why, one, the numbers are low is because not, not enough people are getting sick because uh, – and they're, they're going to the hospital, they're getting tested and whatever. You know, They're either going home or staying on a ventilator. Uh, the majority of the people, they're going they're – not, they're not, they're, you know, they're not, it's not affecting them, so they're right. fine. You know, they're having low, low, low symptom cases or whatever. Because the coronavirus is bullshit. Um, you know, that's belied by the numbers. Like, let's just pick my county, for example. My county. We've 1,100 people have been tested. Just 261 people positive. So that's just about a 25% confirmed positive rate. And then of those 25% who were confirmed, 23 people have died. So that's a 10% death rate. Like that's <laughs> that is not those are not good numbers, and right. the those numbers do not reflect the actual. I mean, like when you break it down that way, I don't know how it's possible that um, the infection rate is not far more broad than it is. Well, and when you bring up that number too, it reminds me of the article I forget which paper it was the New York Times that said there was a massive underreporting of coronavirus deaths, but after even though there was a massive uptick in cardiac arrests in New York, um, and we know that COVID does eventually start to yes. attack your internal organs, and they're saying how is this not related? Like, uh, <laughs> like how do you just all of a sudden magically have massive coronary deaths? during the covid thing and you're not classifying them as covid deaths it's got to be why i mean to me to me that's what they're doing is they're not you know that and that's another that's another um sort of talking point of the right is the person had an underlying condition but then they died of covid and it's like well fuck you dude like my dad had parkinson's but he died of pneumonia like right i you know he couldn't he couldn't breathe because his because his 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 ability to for his chest to rise and fall stopped, and so he died of pneumonia. I don't know, you know, but he had Parkinson's. So go fuck yourself. You're you're being you know uh, glib. I mean, and I realize how how I guess uh, ghoulish it sounds to say that the worst case scenario is that more people uh, don't die. Right, but. I'm just trying to channel the the right wing. I don't know <laughs> thought sphere, whatever you want, uh, idiot sphere. There we go. Um, and how they're going to spin it. And I can, I, I mean, 
I, they'll go there. They're they're gonna they, they will. <laughs> this will be a talking point. Um, oh, yeah. Come the, the once the election season like ramps up, it's gonna be. Oh yeah, it was just a hoax. It was just a hoax. Right. So, I don't know. But just kind of speaking on that political end, though, um, I did want to talk about this because I noticed it twice, and then people started writing about it. But it's the dissident president Gavin Newsom. Um, <laughs> so he was speaking on MSNBC. Governor Newsom said that he would use the bulk purchasing power of California as a quote unquote nation state to acquire the hospital supplies that the federal government has failed to provide. It all goes according to plan, Newsom said. California might even export some of those supplies in states in need or to states in need. Um, so Gavin Newsom is talking like a president. He's talking as though California is its own national entity. Um, what, what do you think about that? Do you think uh, it's just posturing? Do you think that um, it's a it's a shot across the bow? Or as the kids say, a, a strange flex? Weird flex? Weird flex, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I don't oh, I don't know kids. You're so old. Ah, oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Um I think it's I think it's uh incredibly interesting because um you know for 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 a long time and this was something that I was sort of kicking around in my mind around the time Trump got elected of uh, fe- federalism being a liberal, um, you know, like liberal seizing control of federalism, which is the concept of, you know, the small federal government, large, um, robust state governments. Right. And um, because, I, you know, from my perspective, like Washington and Alabama or California and Mississippi are very different places. They are very different people. Um, you know, someone in Alabama just went and painted swastikas all over a uh, synagogue on Passover weekend. I don't relate to that person. Like I don't <laughs> like that right. person and I we're not we're not countrymen in my mind. Um, so. I was thinking about these, you know, these Western states and particularly how the, the the three West Coast states are very powerful economies, very robust economies and extraordinarily liberal and um, well, liberal for for Americans. Um, and, I, and, you know, so to hear him say we will act as a nation state. Interest, you know, it's it, that is a purposeful choice of words. That is a purposeful choice of words, and California right. can certainly do it too. They are the fourth largest economy in the world by GDP, if I'm not mistaken. That's the fourth largest economy in the entire world, yeah, <laughs> more than US, other countries in the world. Yeah, so um, they they can swing their weight around, and I think they should, and I think Donald Trump knows it. Like you know, I think he knows it. So. Um, I think they should, and it's been interesting to watch. Obviously, in the past week, I think it was, Supreme Court came down and said that uh, Wisconsinites had to go in-person vote, and it was just another one of those indignities that Republicans force onto Dems, um, and really just Americans at, at large, because they're not really a party 
uh, a majority party. They're a minority party, so they just do wicked little things. But um, the article continues. It says, uh, at some point, this civil war by other means, with the goal of enshrining GOP minority rule, will provoke a Democratic counteroffensive. Newsom, leader of the nation's largest state, is perhaps accelerating that response, shaking Democrats out of denial and putting Republicans on notice. California, an economic behemoth whose taxpayers account for 15 percent of individual contributions to the U.S. Treasury, is now toning up at Muscle Beach. Do, do you think that actually this this is going to stick, though? Like, you know, will the wimpy Dems, who I think have just <laughs> elected uh, Biden, their normalcy candidate, do you think that they're really toning up at Muscle Beach? Do you think that this is the party of aggressive counter action, counter offensives against the, the you know the GOP lawlessness? Um, no, I, I mean <laughs> no. Yeah, they're you know Democrats are Democrat. Let's be let's be honest. Democrats are in a weak position. They could they 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 don't have um, they don't have any power. Uh, they can. You know, they ha- they'll have to cut a deal. Now, I'd say that with a caveat, and that's California is different. Like California has a liberal legislature, a liberal governor, and liberal citizens. So let's put aside all the, like, federalism constitutional issues that come with declaring yourself a nation state and potentially interrupting interstate commerce. I could see California – being the state that does it, though, the, the being the mm-hmm. state that that you know uh, lights the match, lights the Is match. Lights the well, fuse? I don't know if they would light the match because liberals. Let's let's be honest. Like liberals and progressives are kind of like, eh, eh, whatever. I, here's the thing, and I agree with you that that's. The stereotype. That's that is the stereotype of the contemporary modern liberal. But at the same time, I feel like. Well, there, you even have the Bernie progressives that now are in a position where they're really having to search their souls and realize, wow, we are – we literally um, are never, ever going to get a chance. We're never going to get a, a position at the table to to have a say. And so, you know, we, we, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, maybe odd normal. I don't know. Um, where we talked about maybe it was a second revolution story show. I don't. I can't remember. But the the hard choices Democrats would have to make in order to wrest control from an out of control GOP. Things like you know stacking Supreme Court, um, yeah. creating new states so that they have uh, extra senators, so that Republicans would essentially be um, um, forced out. It, could this just be the sign that? You know the the game is they're, 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 the party's over, and that there someone is finally maybe he's he's trying to send that message to everyone else, electrify them, say guess what? Uh, no, we're not the wimps anymore. <laughs> we're we're we, normalcy's gone. Um, it's never coming back, and we're going to make some bold choices. We're going to say some shit that's going to raise some fucking hackles um, on the other side. They're gonna they're gonna say we're overstepping our lane. We're gonna um, you know that we're we're trying to be too big. We're threatening them. Yes. We are. <laughs> That's the intention. Um, maybe Newsom is. I mean, I mean, definitely he's doing something intentionally. He's he's doing has yeah. intentional language. But perhaps it's even further than just you know a soundbite. It's further than just 
this week to agitate Trump. Um, it is the start of, I, I hasten to say, movement, but a new direction. I mean, I hope so. I certainly hope so. I don't know that that's, I don't know. I just think that I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm not. So I don't I don't see it. So I don't. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, literally, he, he just like edged the <laughs> he edged it in there. It's not yeah. like he had a whole fucking policy speech about it. I would like to think that that yes, you 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 are right, but um, I don't think anybody noticed. I mean, we're talking about it, but I don't think anybody else noticed. Really, I mean, right, right. Uh, you know, I want to say that it's just because far off topic is so bleeding edge <laughs> with our ideas that you know. We're picking up that frequency that old Newsom's dropping. I think that we're seeing the clouds just turn a little darker um, on the horizon. And, yeah. you know, we're on to something. We're on to something here. Before we move on to uh, the break, I want to do this one last story before the uh, second half. Um, and that is uh, you are a law dog. And uh, you're, you're, you, the courts have been affected by the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, maybe two weeks ago, there was some anxiety or rumors that Attorney General Barr was a, going to propose suspending habeas corpus. What, if the courts are closed, what, like what 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 happens there? I, I mean, is that happening or is that going to happen? Or you know, what are your, what are your thoughts? So, okay, I I don't like William Barr. But let me defend William Barr for a moment. Um, I think that a lot of places, a lot of media outlets spun that story into its suspension of habeas corpus. So habeas corpus is this concept of you can go see a judge and have your grievances aired. You can't be held indefinitely um, for, for, for crimes and capital offenses. So... Basically, what has happened is across the country, not just in my neck of the woods, but across the country, um, the courts have basically said, pause. Like, we're in a situation that we've not been in before, and uh, we are not going to have court anymore. Zero jury trials. If you have a a jury trial scheduled for Monday, um, it is not happening. Across the country, it is not happening. Our founders, however, never enumerated the word speedy. They did not say what speedy meant when when they wrote that you have the right to a speedy trial. They could have meant seven days for all we know. And <laughs> and I mean, the rule is still the same that like you can't sue someone for like less than two hundred dollars or something like that because it's in the Constitution because that was a lot of money back in the day. Right. Um, Ninth Amendment or something like that. Do you know anyone? This is kind of a really unrelated to. I mean, it's it's related. Is do you know anyone in there right now that was thrown in jail um, for you know a minor thing? Let's say jaywalking. Someone who's in there for something, but you know got caught. Yeah. In the quarantine. Okay. No. So what? What our <laughs> this is another interesting thing. Our jail is like the progressive vision for incarceration right now. Okay. They are not arresting people unless you're charged with a crime of domestic violence, 
violence or uh, like a DUI type thing. So everything else for the most part is like you're getting cited or if you are getting arrested and let's say they find a find you they pull you over for speeding and you have a warrant for like burglary which is a felony they will take right. take you to the jail process you and bounce you back out oh so like on a normal day on a normal day not coronavirus day there would probably be anywhere from 20 to 40 people arrested in my county and booked in our jail. I'm looking at the report right now. There's been six today. And yesterday, yesterday there were nine. Yesterday was weird because a five person uh, alleged murder ring got picked up in our neck of the woods. Um, Damn. So the day before, the day before was three. Three people arrested Thursday. Two of those people are out. They were immediately released. Oh, wow. Okay. So. Uh, that murder ring thing, by the way, not to just completely throw you off, but uh, I, I've been talking uh, with some of my uh, my WhatsApp groups, and I, again, maybe because I'm fucked up, but I was thinking, wouldn't coronavirus be the perfect time to, like, if you're a serial killer, just to get out there <laughs> just and to get just to, to kind of work your trade. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I mean, like, no one's going to – no one's looking over your shoulder, one, because they're all inside their house. Two, your victims are locked inside their house, and no one's going to be looking out for them because no. they're yeah. just – I mean, they're out of work probably, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of feel like – that you know when this when it all said all is said and done and people have to start reporting to their jobs lots of people aren't and they're gonna go home to those places of, of, of their house and they're like oh shit it's the coronavirus killer he's just been <laughs> flaying people left and right and it's just be just a terrifying moment notice. where you realize that you were just like in the spider web you were um, you were there was this other danger out there there was the coronavirus but then there's also this monster just lurking outside Merkin people. Oh, that's good. I really like that idea. <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, and you know, if I thought it, it's probably happening. You know, like it's not that's not the strangest thought out there. I mean, it's dark. I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll, so I'll give you that. But um, I'm not a serial killer. I'm sure serial killers have thought this. You know, I'm sure Absolutely. there are serial killers out there. They're like, holy shit. What great. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you, Moloch, the, the god of serial killers. You've brought unto me this great bounty. Oh, that's good. I, I really like that. That's a really good idea. <laughs> I mean, that's like a good idea for like a quick little, you know, six-part series or something like that. All right. So uh, we've covered a lot of ground there, and some of that was pretty grim. So I'm going to lift your spirits with a new update on the greatest theory of all time. The Chronomaki. Ah, oh, fuck. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> but I've got some good news, and I have some bad news. The good news is that Betty White lives another day. Thank you, blessed Ophiuchus. The bad news is we have one more segment in this show. But if you're really into bad news, then stay tuned, because we have exactly what you're looking for. No logic. 
No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. So way back in episode seven of season one, I brought to you the greatest conspiracy theory that anyone has ever, ever come across, and that was the Chronomachy. To give you a little bit of an update, it was a theory that Donald Trump should be much more viable as a candidate or as a strongman to that to that extent. He he should be more of a Nixon, but probably a meaner, a much meaner Nixon. You can see it in his in the way he talks and his 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 instincts. He's a meaner person, but he just doesn't seem to have the mental capacity to get him over that hump from being mean to being mean and effective. So I realized this is a tell. This is a tell that someone has manipulated his brain. Someone has uh, put their finger on the, on, on the scale and, and, and is pushing it toward their, to, toward their own end. And I conjectured that perhaps... Back in the 80s, some precogs, some precogs, people who can see into the future. They're not time travelers. They're people who can see into the future. A cabal of precogs have all gotten together, and they've, they've realized that there's a future out there that's very, very grim, much more grim than we are now. And their mission was to get us past the terrible times and into some kind of a paradise on the way on the, on the other side. And so they realized that we would have an election in 2016 and between Hillary Clinton and inexplicably Donald Trump. Right. And they saw that as their moment. That was their moment to strike. So what they did, because of course they could see future time and they can see many different future times it's not just one path um clearly there's a path where donald trump is a mean evil person but who's very capable and he leads us to an inevitable hellscape so they said well there is a path if we nudge it in that direction we can if we're able to just at the right time just nudge donald trump in the right direction we can make him an ineffectual buffoon Still as mean as fuck as he's always been. He'll have those qualities still, but he just won't have the ability to affect meaningful change. So they started poisoning his brain, just melting his brain from the inside out, and that's what we get now. So he used to be a capable person, and now he's a moron. And he does moronic shit, uh, and he thinks the way he does. You can tell he has these problems. It's because the precogs have been melting his brain. It's the worst theory in the world. I mean, it's <laughs> just – it was so – I mean, this is like I'm having a flashback back to this episode. It was so disappointing. It was so dis- – because you didn't put – as I recall – I could be wrong, but as I recall, you didn't put the actual theory in the right. show I notes. you. Because you wanted to surprise me. And God yes. <laughs> damn it, I was so excited. And <laughs> so utterly disappointed when I heard that this is what you wanted to talk about for the next hour. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to talk about it again. <laughs> so, oh, but I, here's the thing. I've had time to, one, I thought it was fantastic theory. And I still do to this day. Um, what I think was the problem is that I didn't, I wasn't able to communicate to you the more intricate details 
of the theory. Um, that was like, for instance, the, that the motivations. Was the that was yeah, that, that was the problem. That was the problem. That was the problem. It's clearly happening. It's clearly mm-hmm. something that's happening. I I don't know how you explain uh, w- how we're where we're at. We're clearly living in the worst reality what seems to be the worst reality of all realities um so there has to be an explanation there has to be a reason why yeah there is this is what what, what's your theory jack half the country voted for for this idiot they were already there's the thing they already were going to do that it, it, probably in larger numbers but he's an idiot for a reason <laughs> see that he was gonna get elected no matter what um but it's the idiot part that that counts He's an idiot for a reason. Uh-huh. Jax, what, what the key is here, which you're not seeing, is that we're on a time stream, you see, among other time streams. And I just imagine them all kind of being stacked up on each other or sideways. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, they're just like all just like planks of wood. Uh, and they all go into a single direction. But here's the thing. With enough of these together, certain traits, some human characteristics become more pronounced. And those create what are known as inevitabilities. Um, They're like giant black holes for human character. (laughs) Oh, you're so stupid. Some could be like the mad scientist characteristic. You know, in a lot of the time streams probably out there, probably to our left side, uh, you know, most humans went... And they start praising mad science, and they just get caught up in that, and it leads to some terrible dystopia. On the on the right side of us, on our time stream, is Nazism, the Nazi inevitability. And so we're constantly being nudged, pulled toward these Nazi people, and we want to become Nazis. You know, there's, there's the – maybe not all of us want to become Nazis, but our leaders, <laughs> the humans just essentially in our time stream all want to become Nazis. Now, the precogs don't want that to happen. They, they don't want us to become Nazis. They realize that Nazism is bad. So they say, okay, how do we steer this ship? Uh, how do we steer our time stream between all these very bad inevitabilities? Perhaps there's the one where the Soviet Empire you know, becomes really, a really strong, compelling uh, uh, possibility. And most timelines become all caught up in the soviet empire kind of inevitability uh the precogs are like no no no. there's something beyond there's something beyond these giant gravity wells of hell and we see one way to go through there's one door there's a single door that's donald trump we have to go through donald trump so that's why they start poisoning his stupid little mind um Uh, it makes sense though right (laughs) now isn't it making sense now stupid it's making sense (laughs) No, I'm not entertaining this conversation. What's your update? These are I didn't talk about inevitabilities before. This is why it's happening. Well, the real, actually, I will say the real strong update is that now that we're in coronavirus, uh, that's the other kind of big, I feel like, reveal, is that 2016, sure, that was a, a moment where all of us said, uh, what? Uh, I didn't realize that we became the bizarro version of Earth or America or whatever. Um, But now with coronavirus, I see it. This is true. It's further confirmation that the precogs knew what they were doing. They knew that Trump was the doorway past the Nazi inevitability. Um, He has, of course, Nazi inclinations. Uh, He would, if he was the meaner 
stronger, more effectual Trump, he would have used this coronavirus moment to take control of America and push us firmly into the gravity well of the Nazi inevitability. And we would, that's where we would be. He would, he would strip us of all of our rights. There would be camps uh, full of children without their parents. Uh, and, and you'd be in a special lawyer camp where dissident lawyers go for not speaking the Trumpist truth. Yes. And that's, so, so this is coronavirus was the moment. This is the moment that they realized would be the critical uh, uh, catalyst. So we can, right now I'm saying things are going to plan. Things for the precogs. We're, we're now in that crucial moment, that scary moment, where Trump can still, he can still pull us toward the Nazi inevitability. But we have to just kind of stay, stay the course, get ready. Maybe Gavin Newsom will, will fight Trump, and there'll be a civil war of words. That's what it's just a civil war of words. Um, and we'll get through this. We'll get through this to the utopia that the precogs have been taking us. They, they can see it, people. Have hope in the precogs. If nothing else, have hope and faith in the precogs. All right. <laughs> All right. So nobody else is, nobody's listening still. Um, I'm confident of that. No, not at all. I, I feel like this is going to be our biggest show yet. <laughs> um, all right. So that's that, enough of that segment. Um, great update, though. Thank you. Thank you, Fiasco. You're welcome, Fiasco. That was a fantastic update. And uh, I feel my spirit's getting lighter now, realizing that this is part of the plan. This is all part of the plan. Definitely all part of the plan. I'm, you know what, Jax? The, the precogs know that you hate them. And that you think that they're a joke, but they love you anyway. Well, I mean, that's great. Yes. Um, When reassurance is not your cup of tea, or if for whatever reason you like your tea with a spoonful of misery, then we have the perfect thing for you as we serve up the world's most terrifying headlines of the past several uh, weeks-ish in a segment we call Great News to End On. And I looked as he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth. Judgment. So uh, this first headline dropped months before the coronavirus was a glimmer in Satan's eye, but it seems fairly predictive in hindsight. The headline is from Vice, the collapse of civilization may have already begun. A growing number of experts not only point at the looming possibility that human civilization itself is at risk, but some believe that the science shows it is already too late to prevent the collapse. I feel like this is a little bit like what I was talking before about um, just kind of going all in to uh, (laughs) our our self-destruction or just the inevitable doom of humanity. Um, Yeah, you're, you're feeling that, right? No? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that I think that the American experiment might be over. I mean, and I, it, that's pretty hyperbolic. Like that's that's a that's a bold statement. Um, but I but I do feel like <laughs> we have reached a point where uh, one side can just tell the other side, "Yeah, we're not doing that." three branches of government we're not doing it you know what are you gonna do and nothing happened so 
in in my line of work, like I hate to always I hate to always bring this up, but in my line of work, you get subpoenaed, you don't show up, you get a contempt order, you can go to jail. I don't know why ignoring a subpoena is okay. Like that seems to me to be a problem. On top of that, to for for party A to ignore subpoenas, why won't party B ignore their subpoenas when those subpoenas come inevitably? Because at some point, you know, party B is going to be out of power and party A is going to be in. Why wouldn't so like we just completely like that's it. I do feel like this is just a version of what poor people go through every single day or people who aren't rich in this in America, the two tiered legal system um, that it, it, there's justice for some. And then there's just kind of a, a free pass for other people. Now I understand that the very egregious crimes tend to get meted out differently right now. It's sclerotic. It's just, it's just, there's, it, there are things kind of, the wheels are turning, but to no end because there is one side that just doesn't abide by any kind of law. They're just, eh, whatever. Uh, we're not going to, we're just not going to recognize that law. And they don't. And there you go. And so, yes, the collapse is kind of just weeding its way because yeah you can't you, you can't really have any kind of orderly government uh without laws really when it comes down to it yeah i mean i think that we've i think we crossed a threshold in um merrick garland like when that happened i was like well shit why would anybody confirm the other side's uh nominees when they're the right. i wouldn't I, I mean, if you're if I can't trust you to confirm a Supreme Court justice to even give him a hearing, you wouldn't even give him a hearing, which has never happened in the history of the country. If I can't trust you to do that most basic thing, how the hell can we trust you to do anything? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that when that happened, that flipped the switch for for a lot of people and. And frankly, hopefully for the rest of our of our elected leaders too. But you know, Democrats gonna Democrat. I mean, it, it perfectly encapsulates everything about where we're at now. Um, yeah, definitely. So yeah, yeah. I mean, perfectly. Yes, yeah. So yeah, that is a that was definitely a turning point. Well, that last headline actually uh, segues nicely to the next one, which is uh, humans are extremely likely to go extinct, and it looks like we don't even care. And uh, so this was actually written about just kind of a hypothetical extinction. Uh, A new Oxford University study published in Scientific Reports found that most people don't seem to care whether Homo sapiens will end up as future fossils. Over 2,500 people in the U.S. and U.K. were surveyed to find out what they really think of us disappearing. The subjects were asked to rank three possibilities, the survival of humanity, the loss of most humanity, or the loss of all humanity from best to worst. And it's no shock that they saw survival as the best case scenario and extinction as the worst. It's just that 
the thought of 80% of all humans surviving haunted them more than total annihilation. <laughs> uh, human beings, it seems, believe that surviving a near extinction event and having to psychologically deal with the aftermath is more horrific than all of us vanishing. So uh, people had the opposite reaction when the same scenario was asked about non-human animals. Most people dreaded the absolute annihilation of non-animals over the thought of their near extinction. So, I mean, this that was written, that study came out a few months before coronavirus and with people going to the beaches, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a form of nihilism yeah. um, the, and, and probably just political... Um, myopia, but it also kind of also shows that, that there's something in some people that are like, I'm sure that part of the qualification was, ah, I don't care. Fuck it. Yeah, absolutely. About that article, though, about 80% died versus total annihilation, um, I actually would see total annihilation be worse because I am a post-apocalyptic movie fan, and so the 80% surviving um, sounds more Mad Max to me, so that would... That would definitely be higher up on the like this preferred list, um, not only just because there's more people surviving, but just because uh, it does presage the the idea that um, we're probably all driving in kind of weird souped up trucks. Yeah, I don't know why everybody would pick. I, I just want complete annihilation. I mean, it's just <laughs> right. it makes no sense. Uh, but I mean, you know, like people like to party. I guess you know, I don't know. I guess so. It's it is worse than just hanging out by yourself or just hanging out with a bunch of your miserable friends. The next headline sounds more like positive news because it does seem to imagine a world beyond COVID. And that is, uh, the headline is, uh, from the sun, sex robots could malfunction and turn on their owners. Sex doll collector, his real name is Brick Dollbanger, fears violent repercussions if robotics are not regulated properly. He believes a simple coding error could turn AI girlfriends against their owners if they are equipped with free will. Dollbanger says a sex robot's going to be more durable. Instead of having bones, it's going to have high-impact plastic or aluminum frame. It's going to be very strong, and it won't get tired. It won't stop unless it runs out of an energy supply. (laughs) Yes, if you'd like to read more about Brick Dollbanger, uh, he uh, appears to be an actual person, um, and Forbes has a profile. Um, I, I have a link to his profile. Actually been a while since i read it so uh, i'm i'm all right i don't need to see this Rick profile. dull banger now i mean that's sort of good news or or actually it's bad news too because maybe because of all this continued isolation all we'll have are sex robots and so them turning on us actually <laughs> could be a dreadful scenario you know <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> Um, it, it would be horrible <laughs> if, if if we were just isolated with sex robots that uh, were like, you know what? I'm sick. Of, I'm sick of your shit. Pulls your head right off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a fun time. Maybe. Well, what I, you a know, fun future. It, yeah. <laughs> what a fun time to be alive. Indeed. <laughs> so this last headline seems prescriptive at the same time whimsical as it points its aim at our old nemesis, climate change, rather than our current viral mm. antagonist. Uh, Swedish researcher advocates eating human flesh to combat climate change food shortages. In a talk titled, Can You Imagine Eating Human Flesh? Behavioral scientist and marketing strategist Magnus Soderlund from the Stockholm School of Economics argued for the breaking down of ancient taboos against desecrating the human corpse and eating 
it's flesh. He refers to the taboos against it as conservative and discusses people's resistance to it as a problem that could be overcome little by little, beginning with persuading people to just taste it. <laughs> I feel like it's me coaxing Charlie to eat anything. <laughs> just taste it. I'll give you a Thomas <laughs> Thomas taste. toy. Uh, he reasons since food sources will be scarce in the future, people must be introduced to eating things they have thus far considered disgusting. Among them, human flesh. Um, as I, and as other people have known it, long pork uh, from the connoisseurs out there of the human human being. Easier choices for food, he suggests, including pets and insects, but human flesh was the primary focus. The Swedish term manisiko krots branschen, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, has since been coined describing his scrumptious new concept. It means the human flesh industry. So, Jax, um, are you going to just taste it? If, if someone offered you uh, you know, a little human buttock meat, you going to... I don't think I could. I don't think I could. I like I can eat virtually anything, and I don't think I could eat. Does that. it help to know that in cultures where they have eaten human flesh, they find it so tasty that even with the peril of death, they continue to eat it? I mean, can you imagine something that tastes so good that if someone told you if you eat that one more time, it's going to kill you, and you're like, I gotta have it. Uh, could can you imagine anything in the world that would taste that good? No, uh, no. So I think that that's problematic because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for a number of reasons, but largely because, um, that leads me to believe that you you develop some type of uh, zombie style mental illness that requires you to eat human brains. Well, actually, it was uh, in Papua New Guinea um, that. There was a practice of uh, eating the dead, um, usually it's like your uh -huh. ancestors as a form of ancestor worship. They would, they would consume yeah. the body at funerals. And uh, the disease, which they were afflicted with, was called kuru. And it was a form yeah. of... It's like a man, mad, mad cow yeah, style, right? Yeah, a form of Crotsfeld Jakob disease where they just perforated the brain with prions um but even they knew yeah. they could see all their family members like dying of it and they still just were like oh but come on man i want to eat people yeah it's um i'm curious i I, <laughs> I mean how good could it possibly be uh, it can't be that good what do you mean it's like look 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 here's the deal it's like heroin okay okay like Someone described to me heroin as imagine all of your problems, everything that you worry about, everything that keeps you up at night, gone, just gone. And you don't care about anything. And you feel amazing. You feel amazing. And I heard that and I was like, that sounds amazing. I'm never doing heroin because I will do heroin until it kills. Right, right. So. The human meat could be your heroin, and you just can't do it because it will kill you. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm a foodie. 
<laughs> but you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Not uh, at all. Uh, put 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 some sushi in this kid's <laughs> mouth and watch what happens. It is hilarious. But clearly, people don't taste like sushi. They taste uh, like some other level oh. of delicious meat. Sushi. Um, and I, I imagine it's some kind of some magnitude greater than pork because the euphemism for eating people is long pork. And I like pork. I like carnitas. Yeah. Um, so I'm just imagining this must be pork. the most tasty bit of carnitas on the planet. And I live, you know, there's, there's rows and rows of carnitas in my neighborhood, just walking around, talking, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. Just Let's just hope this coronavirus thing doesn't go that tricky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we got to eat people, we're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're going to starve to death. I'm going to get fat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to eat your own brain. No, Charlie could choose to probably kill me first. Uh, he's a... He's oh, a yeah. spry little kid. He he knows what's going on. He'll he'll see me get that glint in my eye, and next thing I know, I'll just be like dead from some kind of poison dart he's crafted. Uh, I taught him good, <laughs> too good. So, little shit. Yeah. All right, well that was the show. That was the show, Jax. Uh, well done. Um, our dance with uncertainty. Uh, I think it bore some fruit. I don't know. I can't. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. fun. You can reach us on Facebook at Far Off Topic Show and Far Off Topic everywhere else. You can reach me on Twitter at Fiesco Jones or Tiwi, who is uh, not here with us right now, uh, but always listening at Jenny Said Stuff and Jax. How can they reach you? I don't worry about it. It's your it's your mission, folks out there. Find Jax. He's out there. He's out there. <laughs> Just find him. Um, I hate social media so much. <laughs> whatever you're on it so much. It, I see you're tweeting off all these little things all the time. You love it. I mean, that's fun. It's fun. It's it's funny. Whatever. You're just you love it. Um, so I, I am cutting up old shows for our YouTube account. So keep an eye out for those. Um, that's far off topic on YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, feel free to comment or rate. Most of all, thank you for listening. And until you hear from us again, so mote it be. So mote it be. Fly off topic. <laughs>